Good afternoon and welcome to today's CME activity. There is no commercial support. The speakers and planners have disclosed no relevant financial relationships with any commercial interests. You will receive a SurveyMonkey link after today's activity. And if you're viewing online, the evaluation link will be listed in the links icon at the bottom of the screen. If you have a question, please enter it into the Q&A chat and we'll ask at the end of the presentation. It is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Rosemary Chafor. She is a current PGY3 resident, and she is originally from Cameroon, West Africa. Dr. Chafor completed an undergraduate degree in nursing and worked as an RN in MedStar Washington, DC and at Emory St. Joseph's. She obtained her medical degree from the University of Health Sciences Antigua School of Medicine, and she is passionate about ambulatory medicine with a focus in obesity medicine and excited about working in that field after graduation. Join me in welcoming Dr. Chafor. Good afternoon, everyone. I am Rosemary Chofor, PGY3 internal medicine resident. Um, thank you all for coming to the talk this afternoon. Um, I have no financial disclosures um, for this activity today. Just a brief summary of what we're gonna go over. So I have a clinical scenario. We're gonna go over definition of polypharmacy and the prescribing, um, epidemiology prevalence, risk factors for um, polypharmacy. We're gonna talk a little bit in depth about um, de-prescribing, we'll go over some tools, screening tools for polypharmacy, challenges, and a quick summary. So the goal at the end of the activity is that you'll be able to define what polypharmacy is. Um, you're gonna recognize patients at risk for polypharmacy. We're gonna integrate some screening tools, which we're gonna go over um, when you're assessing your patients. And at the end, list some strategies to help minimize polypharmacy in your patients. So we'll start with this clinical scenario. Um, throughout the presentation, I'll keep coming back to the scenario so that we can evaluate um, as we go. So we have a 67-year-old female who presented to the ED um, after her husband found her unresponsive in their bed. She has a history of anxiety, depression, chronic pain, persistent insomnia, GERD hypertension, and obstructive sleep apnea. Um, surgical history, just cholecystectomy in the past. She denied a history of tobacco use, alcohol, or recreational drug use. Her home medications include alprazolam, Cymbalta, Oxycodone, Acetaminophen, Losartan, amlodipine, etovastatin, and omeprazole. She sees multiple providers outpatients. She sees a primary care doctor, orthopedics, pain management, neurology, and gastroenterology. Her, she had an extensive inpatient workup. Um, pertinent findings, her 
GFR was 39.6. She did have a positive urinary tox screen of, with benzodiazepines. Her CT brain was negative, MRI and EEG were all negative. So polypharmacy. Um, over the years, they've had multiple definitions and it keeps evolving with time. Um, they've had a quantitative as well as a qualitative definition of polypharmacy. Quantitatively, um, which is the most common definition is the use of, of five medications regularly. Um, there's a definition of hyperpolypharmacy hyper when you use over 10 medications. Qualitatively, um, it's described as using one potentially inappropriate uh, medication or medications that are not clinically warranted. The WHO defines polypharmacy as the administration of many drugs at the same time or an excessive number of drugs at the same time. So it affects patients of all age group. However, it's very common in patients 65 years of age and older. Younger at risk um, patients as well uh, have this issue with polypharmacy. Throughout literature review, there was no um, gender disparities. So it affects men as well as female equally. There was a systematic review and meta-analysis done which showed the prevalence of polypharmacy of about 37%. And that was back last year. I was interested in knowing what the morbidity and mortality of um, polypharmacy is. Um, so we looked, I looked at this cohort study which was published in 2020. And the goal of the study was to examine polypharmacy as well as the risk of hospitalizations as well as deaths. Um, they looked at about 3 million patients. And in those patients, they found about 46% had experienced polypharmacy based on the definition of using greater than five medications. And over five years, they found out that 67.4% um, were hospitalized and 15.3% um, had died. This is um, you know, a graph just showing the linear um, relationship between the number of medications as well as um, the risk of polypharmacy. Looking at graph A, you're looking at the number of hospitalizations. So as you can see, the number using more medications increases the hazard ratio, increases the risk of um, hospitalization. And on B, you're seeing the number of deaths. With more medications, you have an increased risk of, of deaths as well. Financial implications of polypharmacy. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid estimated about a $50 billion um, dollar use of um, cost rather of polypharmacy and it's increasing over time. And when they looked at patients who experienced polypharmacy to those without polypharmacy, they found out that um, patients with polypharmacy had a total healthcare expenditure of about 19,000 while those without it had an expenditure of 8,000. So we have a lot of patients who are on who are on multiple medications because of their medical conditions. And we've had evidence-based medicine and you know, standards of practice that guide 
the, the treatment of these patients, like patients with congestive heart failure, diabetes and COPD. Patients with congestive heart failure, based on the ACC AHA guidelines, they are on guide, guideline-directed medical therapies, and they require about up to five um, medications. Diabetes, the, AD the ADA has guidelines on those. Um, COPD, we have the, the gold standard as well. Even though the evidence has shown that we need all of these medications, they really focus on each um, condition, each medical condition. However, they never, we don't have studies showing um, what happens if a patient has multiple conditions. For example, a patient with diabetes and COPD. A COPD patient comes in with an exacerbation of um, COPD, he's requiring steroids. It's gonna affect management of his diabetes as well. So I think we need to always keep in mind the risk involved um, when patients have met multiple medical conditions and uh, multiple medications as well. So um, polypharmacy can occur at multiple levels, at the patient-specific levels and as well as system-specific. And there are a lot of risk factors for those. Like we talk patients with multiple medical um, conditions, if you have patients who are seeing multiple subspecialists, outpatients, it puts them at risk. Um, residing in long-term care facilities also puts them at risk. System-specific risk factors. I think the most important one is transition of care. At transition of care, we have to make sure that we're doing proper medical reconciliation. So if these medical records are not properly updated, it puts patients at risk. And sometimes we have like automated refills on their medications and we're not really assessing if those medications are still clinically indicated for the patients at the time. Um, I wanted to go over this prescribing cascade, which I think is one of the reasons why a lot of our patients are on these multiple medications. And this occurs when a patient comes in for a condition and we're treating that condition. They come in a couple of months later with a new symptom and then we add a medication to it. For example, a patient comes in with leg pain, has prescribed a non-steroidal, um, comes back a couple of weeks or a couple of months later with complaints of heartburn. And instead of reviewing the medication list, we add a proton pump inhibitor to your medication list. They develop hypomagnesemia, muscle weakness, and eventually falls, leading to hospitalizations. Or um, they're giving the NSAID again, they develop leg edema, come back to the clinic, you're starting them on diuretics, they develop orthostatic hypotension and, and falls which leads to hospitalization, increasing this cost we were talking about. So we'll go back to a clinical scenario real quick, just to assess the risk factors our patient had. A summary of the patient in the beginning, she's 67 years old, history of anxiety, depression, pain, insomnia. She's on all of these medications, alprazolam, Cymbalta, um, oxycodone, acetaminophen, losartan, omeprazole. She follows up with multiple providers and she had an extensive inpatient workup. So looking at that patient, identifying her risk factors, her age is six to seven. And like we said, it's very prevalent. Polypharmacy is very prevalent in patients over 65 years of age. She had multiple medical conditions and she follows up with multiple providers outpatient. The number of medications, she had seven medications she was taking and polypharmacy is 
um, defined by using greater than five medications. The reason I left seven medications is because we're not usually alerted to polypharmacy unless we see a long medication list for the most part. So every time you see your patients and you think you know they have over five medications, you want to think polypharmacy, what can I do to cut back on medications if clinically indicated? And based on a patient, she had this hospitalization with increased financial burden as well. So some consequences of polypharmacy, mortality, which we talked about in the beginning, um, increased risk of falls. And we see this mainly in our elderly patients. And the falls leads to hospitalizations in most cases. Adverse drug reactions or drug-drug interactions, increased length of stay um, in the hospital for these patients and increased readmission rates as well. I wanted to take a minute to talk about adverse drug reactions in polypharmacy. One thing to really keep in mind is um, looking at the medications your patients are taking. Medications that we commonly would prescribe, warfarin, metoprolol, might have a very weak anticholinergic effect if they're taken by themselves. But if they're taken in combination, then they have like an additional anticholinergic reaction. So that's something you wanna keep in mind when you're assessing your patients, because all of these could lead to cognitive decline, um, decline in physical function, falls and hospitalizations. Some very common side effects are patients um, experience a gastrointestinal burden or even allergic reactions. Um, the drug burden index. So this is a qualitative tool, um, a quantitative tool that used to that is used to assess medications with anticholinergic and sedative activity. It's a pharmacological e equation that looks at the dose and the response um, in those patients. So when assessing a patient's medications, each medication is assigned a numerical value based on their, their anticholinergic or sedative effect. And the higher the drug burden index is, the higher they have risk for physical and cognitive functions. So that's something to keep in mind and a tool that you can use as well. Drug-drug interactions, very big consequence of polypharmacy. We wanna remember that having multiple drugs could decrease, some drugs can decrease actions of other drugs or increase actions of the drugs or even cause adverse effects, which we talked about. And when we're talking about medications, you wanna also include over-the-counter medications and herbal supplements the patients may be taking. Um, things like Ganko, St. John's Ward, you wanna make sure that you're assessing your patients and asking them if they're taking up all of these medications because it could cause um, interactions. So back to de-prescribing. Um, this is a process where you identify patients at risk for polypharmacy and you put in a plan to discontinue these medications if the harm outweighs the risk. One thing to remember about this is it's very individualized and it's based on the patient's goals and their long-term goals and their current level of functioning. With polypharmacy, we're usually reactive instead of proactive in the sense that we wait for the patient to have a drug-drug interaction or a side effect to take off some medication. So the goal of de-prescribing is putting that process in place so that you can start evaluating if they're um, eligible for 
discontinuing or tapering down medications. So the deep prescribing process, there are about five steps you wanna consider when you're doing this. You want to identify potentially inappropriate medications by taking a thorough history, um, taking a thorough medication list history as well. And you're making sure that each medication on your list has an indication for use. You determine the medication dosage can be reduced or stop. Um, you put a plan in place for tapering as well. And you want to monitor, monitor, monitor. You want to monitor for the discontinuation symptoms or withdrawal symptoms and see if they need to, if you need to restart these medications or not, and document your outcomes. The next question is: what tools are available for you to assess a patient with polypharmacy? There are a couple of tools. Most of these are used in the elderly population. You have the BS criteria, start and stop screening tools, medication appropriateness index, and the drug burden index, which we talked about. I'm gonna go over a couple of these so that you can see what they look like and what they entail. So the BS criteria was developed by um, Dr. Mark Pierce in 1991. It was updated in 2019 and again updated in 2022 and adopted by the American Geriatric Society. So what it does is it catalogs medications according to adverse drug effects in like the elderly, pop elderly population and identifies if the risk outweighs the benefits of having these patients on the medications. An example of, these are just examples of medications you will find on the BS criteria. You have anticholinergic which we prescribe to our patients like antihistamines, um, antipakistonian agents. You wanna think about these um, if you have any patients on these medications. Um, patients who are taking pain medications, skeletal, like muscle relaxants, you wanna make sure that you're reviewing their medication list to see if they need to be on these medications. Next, we have the stop-start screening tool. Um, this is another tool which helps facilitate um, medication review in your patients. So the start is looking at alternative medications which can be started safely in your patients and stop is looking at medications which are inappropriate in your, in your patients. So for the stop criteria examples, the good thing about these is they're all organized um, by system. That way you can go through them easily and um, it tells you if it's indicated in, in your patient or not. For example, a patient with low extremity edema with no history of heart failure, they just have dependent low extremity edema. You wanna avoid loop diuretics in these patients and you would consider like the compression um, stockings instead. Um, patients with history of chronic constipation, you wanna avoid calcium channel blockers in these patients as well. Um, history of gout, you wanna avoid thiazide diuretics. Um, they go into the CNS medications, TCAs and SSRIs. Um, you wanna avoid SSRIs in patients with hyponatremia. And I think most importantly, something, one of the drug classes we use a lot are the proton pump inhibitors. So you wanna always assess the patients if there's still an indication for being on a proton pump inhibitor. If not, then you wanna consider discontinuing them. 
With the START criteria, you're looking at medications that you can safely start in patients if indicated. For example, um, let's say a patient has a history of coronary disease, uh, coronary cerebral or peripheral vascular disease, and they need a statin. Then you can go ahead and start those. Um, patient has osteoporosis and you have calcium, start them on calcium vitamin D. If they have chronic atrial fibrillation and you need to use warfarin, then you can start those. It just goes over all of these criteria of medications. I was also interested in finding out if these tools are applicable in the hospital setting. So there was a clinical trial which was done in, in Europe where they looked at, um, at medications, gave recommendations for discontinuation or initiation, initiating medications based on the stop start criteria. So um, the study was a multi-central randomized controlled study done in Europe, and it included patients who had at least three medical conditions. Um, they were at least 70 years of age, and they had um, they were on at least five medications. Medication review was done by a physician and a pharmacist. So what the physician and pharmacist did was they reviewed patients' medications and provided recommendations based on the stop-start criteria, provided recommendations for either initiating a medication or discontinuing a medication. Um, about 139 patients were included in the study. And after they provided their recommendations, they were able to implement and um, found out that the patients and the physicians in the hospital agreed to discontinuing proton pump inhibitors, the PPIs, and then initiating osteoporosis agents. So these are tools that have been sh have shown to work in hospital settings. So you wanna keep that in mind when you are at the transition point or discharging patient, or you see patients in the hospital, think about your medications and think about um, the appropriateness of the medication. I'll go back to a clinical scenario again, just looking at the patient. We, we know uh, a lady who came in with anxiety and depression, um, the list of her medications she was on. So we'll review those medications and see which ones we're able to take off or at least recommend tapering down. So using the stop um, tool, screening tool, if you look at alprazolam, you want to avoid that in older patients if you can, especially those with impaired renal function. You can start like a tapering program for, for them if you need to. Um, you look at oxycodone, acetaminophen, which is on. You want to think about alternatives for her if, if you can. Omeprazole, um, after she's completed eight weeks of therapeutic um, treatment, you wanna assess is there still an indication for this medication. Some strategies to prevent polypharmacy. Um, you wanna make sure that you have an accurate medication list and medical history whenever possible. When the patients come into the office, encourage them to bring in all their medications, prescriptions, over-the-counter supplements, or anything else they are taking. Um, you wanna review any changes with the patient and the family and make sure that each medication has an indication for prescribing. Um, other things you wanna consider is 
that you want to avoid starting medications to combat a potential side effect, like the, prescri the prescribing cascade we went over. So if a patient comes in with a, a, a symptom, you want to assess your medications to see if there's anything that was recently started and something that could be potential adverse effects from that medication. Some challenges or some barriers to the prescribing. Um, they can be patient-centered or system-wise. Patient-centered, I think the biggest barrier is patient resistance. They've been on medications for so long, a doctor told them you're gonna be on this medication you know, lifelong, and they're very resistant to that change. Loss of control, for example, is another barrier to the prescribing. Because these patients, um, let's say, for example, a diabetic patient has been checking their um, blood sugars at home, and they get to a point where they are at goal and you're tapering down their medications, and they're, they're very scared to lose that control because they have a system or a routine in place. System-wide barriers, I think the biggest one is the time constraint. We usually have about 15 minutes to go over medications with patients. Um, one thing you can do to combat that is use your resources around, use your clinical pharmacist, schedule an appointment for the patient to come in just for medication review. So these are some resources that we have. Um, they're very, very good resources and you can find them online. First is the deprescribing.org. It provides patients as well as clinical materials for the patients. Um, patients who are resistant to stopping a medication, they can go on there. They have really good resources, um, which they would be able to understand. It provides evidence-based guidelines as well, including guidelines on on proton pump inhibitors, antihyperglycemics, how to discontinue them if needed. The website also has like webinars and pamphlets. Um, if you're interested, you have all that information there. MedStopper is another good resource for deprescribing or decreasing your patient's medications. It's a three-step process. It's quite easy. You put in whatever medication you, you want um, or you're, you're curious about in your patient, and it gives you a tapering schedule. For example, a patient comes in with a benzodiazepine and you're not sure, you're thinking about tapering it down. It gives you an approach to doing that. Um, some other things that we use usually are the Choosing Wisely campaign. We know about those drug facts and comparisons that compares multiple medications at the same time. And we usually would use Lexicom or Hippocrates. Um, the future of polypharmacy. There is a Canadian study going on now where they're trying to integrate artificial in intelligence into polypharmacy. So they have three different arms to the study where they have the specialist in artificial intelligence coming up with an algorithm to detect patients with polypharmacy. They have a health access or arm where they're looking at the indicators for polypharmacy and putting in um, health surveillance and clinical guidelines that will, that will help um, with the study. And the last arm is a law and ethics um, arm or yeah, arm or access because you wanna make sure that all of these are ethically um, appropriate when you're imp implementing this. So I'm curious to see what that shows. In summary, um, if a patient comes in and the patient has 
five or more medications, you want to think polypharmacy. And then you think about the tools that are available for you. You have the PS criteria, the stop stat um, screening tools as well. Transition of care is the best point to decrease polypharmacy. So while you're discharging your patients, you're reviewing medication lists, you wanna see if there's still an indication for those medications and you're discontinuing those that you don't, you, you need to. Um, one thing you also wanna keep in mind is the pharmacology of the, the medication. You wanna think about the patient's age. You wanna think about, um, method of elimination, do they have any renal disease or any hepatic disease that would impair the medications when you're, when you're prescribing these medications? And lastly, you wanna think about the patient's goals of care and life expectancy, because all of these are, have, has to be individualized to the patient and what the patient wants. These are my references. Um, I wanna give a special thanks to my mentors, Dr. Mana, Dr. Bearfield, and I also wanna thank Dr. Riaz for helping me with this presentation. Thank you all for coming. And if you have any questions, I will take them. Thank you, Dr. Chofor. Do we have any questions in the audience? If you have one online, please enter it in the Q&A chat and we'll ask for her. Nothing, okay. Oh, here we go, we have one down here. Thank you, Rosemary, that was a great presentation. Um, is there a specific guideline on how frequent patients should come up for follow-up visits based on the number of medications they're on? Um, like you said, polypharmacy is more than five medications. And most of, the, most of the patients we have are at least on five or more. But we typically base the follow-up visits based on the conditions that they have. Is there a recommendation or a guideline based off on the number itself? Right, based on the research that I did, I didn't see a specific recommendation on, on when they can come back for follow-up. However, I would say always think about appropriate polypharmacy as well. So if they have a clinical indication for that medication, then they have to be on it. But looking at the patient, and if a patient comes in with multiple um, symptoms, every single time you want to make sure you're reviewing the medication list to see if polypharmacy could be contributing to their presentation. Thank you. Any other questions or comments? Let me just check online. Okay, I think we're good. Thank you, Dr. Chofor. Thank you.